Hello, welcome everybody to this diverse recruitment podcast in association with UK Hospitality. My name is Joanna Aunion and I'm a director at Whittle. And at Whittle, we are devoted to increasing women's and ethnic minorities representation at leadership level, but particularly at all levels across the hospitality, travel and leisure industry. We believe that by bringing together a collaboration community of companies of all sizes from across all parts of the sector, we can amplify the impact of individual diversity and inclusion initiatives, and together we can have a bigger, louder voice for the impact of the hospitality, travel and leisure industry as a whole for diversity and inclusion. Our mission is to positively impact 5 million women and people from ethnic minorities by the year 2025. We have also recently, together with the MBS group, created a diverse recruitment toolkit. And the idea came that we wanted to really progress the idea of what can be done when driving diverse recruitment, and particularly with UK hospitality, to help members really understand what they can do in order to drive their pipelines, create a more inclusive culture for all, and make sure that they have a diverse representation at all levels in their companies. So I'm delighted today to be welcomed by our panel, who will be discussing today's topic, joined by Sam Siegler, who is a director at the executive search firm, the MBS Group, and whom Whittle partnered with um, on many things, but also the creation of the Diverse Recruitment Toolkit. So welcome, Sam. Great to have you here. Um, to be here. Also, Thanks, Joe. Thank you. And also Gary uh, Clark-Strange, who is the Head of Inclusion and Diversity at Green King, the pub company, and also Rob Zyko, the Senior Director for Talent Acquisition EMEA at Hilton, and Yusra Ali, who also is part of the Whittle team, but is also a recent graduate from Oxford. Works University in Hospitality Management. I have to say, I think user, um, apart from user, all of us are ex-recruiters or current recruiters. So whether we are now have a different remit, we have talent acquisition in our background. So we will be talking a lot from our experience and personal experience and our team's experience as well. So thank you. Welcome, everybody. And thank you for taking the time to join us today. Sam, I'm going to come to you first um, for two things, really. First, um, it would be really great to understand what is the executive search space like now for direct hires? We hear you know, that thankfully the Hampton Alexander report has been extended. Um, you know, the, the clamour for diverse talent at board and senior level is high and difficult. Um, so first of all, do you mind to share that with us and, and give us an overview? Yes. Yeah, so, so I think probably the very obvious generalization from an executive hiring perspective is that it's a fairly challenging environment at the moment particularly within hospitality travel and leisure and I think at executive level people are coming becoming more inclined to look at opportunities outside of the sector I think particularly in roles where there's a high degree of transferability such as technology and finance and I suppose the flip side to that is from a recruitment perspective it's becoming even harder to attract people from outside the industry in those roles within the sector. So I think for this reason, actually, the case for diversity has never been stronger. And it's my sense, actually, the businesses that fail to prioritise diversity in their hiring processes won't be able to reach or attract actually some of the best talent that's out there in the market. And you would have seen, for example, yesterday, there are a million vacancies out there in the UK. And of course, not all of those are going to be at executive level and not all of those are going to be in hospitality. 
but I think it's indicative of how competitive the market has become. Thank you, Sam. And I think um, it would be great to understand, and moving into the, into the toolkit that, mm. that created, it does touch on executive search. And actually, we, as part of the toolkit, we surveyed um, a series of executive search firms. And this piece around um, driving a, you know, an inclusive culture as a key indicator. And I know, Gary, you're, you're very keen and, and we'll talk about this, but what other things came out, do you think, from the toolkit, Sam, that really helps companies give practical examples of, of what they can do to drive executive hire, but also all levels as well, all the way through the organization? Yeah, I mean, it, it was interesting because actually there, there's tons of stuff that companies can do. I think in the toolkit, we've distilled it to about 10. But the ones that stood out for me, I think that the two sort of game-changing ones are um, really looking at your assessment criteria. So, you know, how you brief your executive search um, to avoid asking perhaps for proven experience. And I think that really opens it up um, when companies, particularly in those operational roles, the senior MD roles, ask for proven experience. It can lead to a very white male talent pool. Um, and, and really, really limit the talent you can access. Um, and also the second one is actually communicating some of your flexible working policies. So I think companies do, you know, are doing loads of great stuff, but actually how you talk about it and how you communicate it externally can actually be quite game-changing. Um, and then, of course, there's, there's a whole long list of other things that companies can be doing around sort of data tracking, how you select your executive search partner, demanding balance shortlist, diversity training. But I think particularly, you know, from the outset, how you brief your search partner and those criteria that you're looking for is actually very critical. We have a view at Whittle, and you know that, that, we're in, that an insistence of, of balance shortlist is, is, is really key, but it has to be authentic as well. So, you know, and authenticity, I think, is a key theme that, that will come out. What is, is it that, you know, what does a balanced shortlist look like, Sam? I know that's a bit of a hard question and how long's a piece of string, but what does in reality does that look like? Yeah, I look, I, I think it's, it's a very difficult question to answer. I would say when it comes to gender, um, balance should be 50-50 because mm -hmm. it has to broadly reflect the population. I think when it, when it comes to other areas of diversity and other protected groups, um, I think you have to understand what targets you're aiming for. I think you have to look at the data in your current organization, in the local communities that you're hiring in, and that really needs to guide, that really needs to guide your process. Perfect. Thank you, Sam. And if I can come to you, Gary, as well, because, um, you know, Green King have been doing some, it's been an interesting 18 months, hasn't it, for Green King on, a, on the diversity and inclusion and diversity journey. And the, the organisation has been doing some great work in the space across the board, not just in recruitment. Um, so as head of IND, do you mind to just share with us a little bit about what Green King have been doing and, and we'll and go from there, if that's OK? Yeah, absolutely. Hi, everybody. And thank you for inviting me along to be part of the panel today. Uh, really happy to be here. So I think the word that you, you used there was, was journey. And that's exactly it. So Green King, along with many organisations right now, um, are on a journey towards a level of inclusion and diversity that most of us you know, probably didn't foresee coming a number of years ago, but are certainly on that journey now. Um, and I think where Green King are coming from right now is some very uh, you know, public 
commitments that we have made that are right for our organization to be make, making, and I'll talk about that in a second, but how we are building a more diverse workforce as well as a pipeline of talent. But also, most importantly for me, is the cultural change in the middle. And, it's, and what's great at Green King right now is there is an overall cultural change happening within the organization. And for me personally, I always strive to have initiatives like inclusion and diversity to be part of a culture change rather than its own individual. For me, building more diverse workforce should be part of the DNA of the organization rather than a tag along of something different and separate to be doing. It is underpinning everything that's going on in the organization. And that's truly what's happening at Green King, where we're working through a number of initiatives that are building a more inclusive workplace and, and workforce at the same time, as well as also, you know, beginning to, to look at our external marketplace as well. Um, what's really been great to see is the, the movement towards, especially within our recruiting teams, a, a want and a desire to think differently about how we go about recruiting. We know, especially in hospitality right now, if we're thinking about the current position, that it is a tough market to recruit in at, at all levels. Um, but still, there is a desire and a drive to be looking at things to, to make that a, you know, a more inclusive process, but also to bring in more diverse talent. So a number of things that have happened at Green King over the last year include commitments with, the, with external partners. So the likes of Princess Trust, where we are committed to um, partnering with them for a number of placements that will help us to bring in um, diverse talent. And kind of similar to what Sam was just talking about, you know, when is it right to put in specific targets in terms of representation and, and, and when is it is it not right? And in some of these programs, we, we do see it as right and we have put public um, commitments in terms of specific looking at Black, Asian, minority, ethnic um, communities, but how we will bring over a period of time, a realistic period of time, because that's really important, um, how we'll bring that talent into our organisation. But then when we flip it back to the culture, the culture that allows everybody to thrive and everybody to feel like they belong, that's the key for me. So bringing in diverse talent, but also ensuring that your, your culture and your experience in, 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 the, in the job or in, in the environment will actually allow you to, 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 to excel. That's, that, that, that is the absolute key. And then there's a number of other things um, that we are currently, as I say, it's a journey, right? So we, we haven't, like many organizations, we haven't got this nailed and we will continue to work on this in a, in a kind of controlled manner as, as we continue on over the next couple of years of our, of our plan. But, you know, things like talking about our, I think Sam mentioned earlier on about, you know, the, the agile working um, ways of working that, that are happening in, in many organizations now, but wider than that, using social media and using any channels that we have to promote our vacancies to talk about the difference at Green King or, or what is happening internally. So rather than, you know, a lot of the work that we are planning to do is not just around selling we have a job right now. It's actually what what's happening at Green King? How can you come and be part of our journey? And what what would you like to come and, and see happening and, and kind of help us to shape the future? So we are definitely planning around social media and our attraction campaigns to really leverage that a lot more moving forward and, and really sell I hasten to use the word sell, but when we're talking about recruitment, that is, you know, we're promoting um, the, the environment that we're working in, and that, that is changing. So I think it's definitely a hybrid of both, um, but it's, it's absolutely a journey. 
Thank you, Karen. And just to, you know, how has the, um, you know, how has the cascade gone through all levels of the organization? Is that still part of the journey? Because you can have an exact, an incredibly engaged exec team, which I know you have at Green King. Yeah. But sometimes it's that middle level or below, it, it stops, it buffers. How is, how is that working throughout the organization? You're right, we've got a really engaged exec team and we can't, you know, I can't ask for more than that in the role that I'm in, that we have got a group of individuals who are coming together as a collective to help to, to start to drive the change. But you're right, we are on a journey. So some commitments we have made very publicly, um, internally and externally, and that message is cascading continually. We've, we've recently, um, specifically looking at our anti-racist agenda, we have um, published a manifesto calling time on racism where we talk about our true commitment to make Green King an anti-racist organisation. And we're proud of that. And we're proud to publicly stand behind that. Internally, as part of our culture change, we, we are still on that journey of how we cascade down. And it is some of it is through definitive, what I'd like to term everyday inclusion activity, where we're starting to get the feeling of what inclusion means at Green King and helping our team members to understand that everybody has a role to play in inclusion because it's not just exec-led or it's not led by a HR function. Everybody has a role to do in that. So again, going back to my point about it being a slow slow burner, we are starting that cascade down as part of our overall culture change. But at the same time, building from the ground up as well, initiatives that allow us to start promoting stories of our, you know, of our diverse talents and how they are excelling at our organization. So we're coming out of a two-pronged approach. Don't have the answer yet, but how it will land across the organization. Um, hopefully I'll talk to you in a year and a half's time and I'll feel like everybody at Green King knows our inclusion intent. That, that is the absolute key. Which is great. Thank you. And, and I know that we've it'd be really good to get your thoughts, both with your, you know, former recruitment my you know um, mind and also your current role in inclusion and diversity is you know what and sam we alluded to this in the talking about the do's and don'ts really but what what do you find are the biggest barriers to attracting diverse talent into an organization what is it that organizations could just flip really quickly to to make it easier or more accessible i think one of the actual is not just barriers to recruiting but just the barrier to diversity is sometimes fear fear of the unknown and always following what what you've always done and not wanting to go or, or not being confident enough to go and try some something new um so something i i i, I always uh, steal ideas with pride um and something that i stole from another webinar that i was on and, and podcast where an amazing um person talked about just a really simple um activity that the recruiting team did where they took specific hours out of their day where they did their normal uh, attraction and sourcing roles that they would do but specifically looked for diverse talent in that hour that was not to say that they wouldn't uh, if they found a, a great profile they would completely ignore it they would park it and go back to it later and it's something that i'm trying to bring into green king is just these thoughts about actually don't always do what you you've always done and don't also feel the pressure of, I must hit a, a target for want of a better term, but think about how you can do things differently. There's, you know, there's loads more do's and don'ts that we can go into around looking at different ways to attract talent, whether that's going into different um, sources, such as job boards, how you kind of speak to local communities, where you find out where different communities are hanging out online. There's, there's lots of really, I guess, much more what you would expect 
a recruiter to say things to do, but actually sometimes for me it's about going back to basics and just allowing yourself time to do things that you have, you know, you will aim to make a difference in. Um, and that's some of the things I'm really trying to inspire our recruiting teams to do right now. And we're doing that at Green King through the kickoff of an inclusive recruitment training program, which we will kick off um, in October of this year with our recruiting teams and then into our, our kind of high volume recruiters as well that will start to pick in all these things and then go into the details around, as you would expect in any kind of inclusive recruiting, bias, um, job advert writing, et cetera, all that stuff, the, the good stuff that really kind of is the underpinning of a good inclusive recruitment campaign. Perfect, thank you. And I've, I've got so many questions, but our podcast is there, can only be so long. So <laughs> I will come back because it'd be um, great to talk about to the whole panel again, I think around the role of the hiring manager as well in this process, which I, which I think is key. But Rob, I'd love to come to you now, if that's okay, and talk. So Hilton, um, you know, has a um, huge focus on inclusion and diversity globally and has got some great achievements. I think you were the, one of the first organisations that I was aware of that had linked executive, you know, pay and bonus to DNI um, strategies within the organisation. And I know there is a huge focus, but do you mind to share with us a little bit about what you're 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 looking at and driving at the moment, and also the lessons learned, really, because you're you're really quite progressive in the industry in this space. Yeah, I think. And there'll be a lot of common themes that I come I think come out in all of what we say. I think, you know, Hilton has been on this journey probably for, as you say, you know, longer than quite a lot of businesses have globally. Doesn't mean we've reached the end of the journey. Um, you know, I don't know I'm even halfway through the journey. I think it's always very difficult to understand, you know, what that journey is. Um, I think there are certain particular areas where we've made great strides forward, particularly around gender parity. Um, you know, we've got a commitment to have gender parity globally by 2027. Um, there are a lot of our markets where, you know, particularly in Western Europe, the States, UK, where we're much, much closer to that, if not at that already, but it's a commitment to do that globally. And there are other areas where we're, you know, perhaps much earlier in the journey um, as we go forward. I think that the aim very much is around inclusion, and that's what we like to talk about, um, and about having that inclu inclusive culture. And I think culture is the key to all of it with us. Hilton has a very, very strong culture. Um, I think we describe it as an award-winning culture, but it runs through everything that we do, and it runs top-down through everything we do. Um, and that culture is very much driven by our purpose and our values. And I think if you go into any part of Hilton – you get that culture, you get that values, you get that consistency of the core of that culture, but with that local flavour. And I think that's very much what Hilton has kind of built on. And it is driven very much from the top down. You know, if you ever listen to our president CEO, Chris Nassetta, the first thing he always talks about, it doesn't matter what, what business strategy, culture, he's talking to the markets, he talks about people. And that is always the first thing he talks about. And, and that is very strongly driven throughout the whole organisation. And we are very much a people business. Our industry is a people business. Um, so, yes, we, we've been on that journey. And I think some of the lessons and learnings that we have from it, and we get new ones kind of almost every day, are there is no simple solution. It's about doing lots of things 
It's about trying things, some of which work, some of which don't. Don't be scared to fail at it um, because you will. And there'll be things you think should have a remarkable difference that don't have any. And then there'll be something that you didn't think would make much of a difference actually has an amazing difference. Um, Don't be scared to share and talk to other businesses. I've noticed, particularly around diversity and inclusion, whereas we can all be quite proprietary about what we're doing in lots of different areas. But businesses, not just in this sector, but across sectors, are quite happy to share and talk about their experiences and learn from each other. Um, And I think that's important to have that network. Um, And obviously, Whittle is part of doing that. But outside of the industry, what are other sectors doing? Learn from them, both in terms of their successes and their mistakes. Um, And I think that's been an important part of what we do. I think engaging the entire workforce internally in that journey. You know, we have things, we have team member resource groups in all sorts of different areas. And they're not just nice meetings where people have tea and coffee together they're actually used to help influence business decisions and drive what's happening within the company so i'm currently working with um, the ethnic team member resource group to look at our attraction and get their feedback and input and ideas into you know what else we can be doing in the attraction piece and also around you know if we're setting targets let's uh, around ethnicity which is actually quite difficult to do um you know do you look at the local area in which you work in do you look at the country as a whole do you look at your customer base you know lots of different factors so what are sensible targets or goals um to achieve but getting you know our team members and our resource groups involved in that conversation so it's a conversation that's happening throughout the business um data and tracking crucial if you don't if you're not tracking your data you know and we track not just our hires and not just what our workforce looks like but we track our applicants we track what happens at each stage of the process where do we lose applicants you know what is that diversity mix at every stage of our recruitment process so that we can identify areas that we can improve um we also take feedback from candidates to get it, and particularly unsuccessful candidates, because again, that's a key area of information for us. Um, so it's lots of, I'm going to say little things. They're not little as in unimportant, but it's about doing lots of things. I think one area I think that surprised me, that surprise is probably the wrong word. I think you also have to be careful. Some of your focuses can have unforeseen consequences as well. And that's why I think you've got to be quite clear on what you're trying to achieve. And you've got to start somewhere. And gender was the area that Hilton really started. But we found, you know, I'll give you an example, our elevator program, which I think is still probably the industry's kind of leading general management program. Um, and quite a few years ago, we felt we didn't have enough female or women coming through that program to help feed into our general manager pipeline. So we had a big focus on that. You know, the universities that we went out to, we always, we took, you know, some of our best and brightest stars. So there were good role models that the students could relate to. You know, a lot of the information we're putting out there was highlighting that and it worked. And we saw a huge increase in um, 
female applicants um, and really good quality and coming from outside of hospitality courses across the old industry. It was what we really wanted. The unforeseen consequence of it was that actually we saw a, quite a big drop off in the popularity um, from male candidates. And that wasn't what we were trying to achieve. What we wanted was both. And sometimes having that real focus can have a knock-on effect into a group. You see, you know, I was reading a report the other day. I don't think I've seen this specifically at Hilton, but was highlighting that a lot of the focus businesses have had on young people and millennials and the next generation from that in has actually meant that if you're over 55, your chances of employment and progression have dropped significantly. Well, if we're going to be a truly inclusive workplace, we need to also not have those unforeseen consequences and make sure that we're working across many areas. So, you know, a lot of people will say, pick one or two key areas to focus on. I would agree to make progress, but don't forget about the others. You need to move everything forward if, you're, if it's truly going to be inclusive. I think that would be one of my biggest learnings. Absolutely. And I think that's back to your point and, and Sam's point about the data. You know, this is why where the data is your friend, isn't it? Because you can see, start to see where those trends start to maybe, you know, you want to see one uplift and then you see the other come down and you don't want analysis paralysis, but you want, you know, a really good overview, don't you, to make sure that things are going forward or what you're focusing on doesn't have the impact, as you were saying. That's a really great insight, Rob. Thank you. Um, and I think um, what would be really good to understand in terms of from all of you, and I, I'll come to you in a second, Yusra, if that's okay. It's just, you know, just coming back to this confidence, you know, don't be scared. It's going to be sometimes trial and error, and that's not always very comfortable. It's about feeling uncomfortable, you know, to be, you know, being feeling comfortable to be uncomfortable. But this hiring manager piece, so, you know, from a personal anecdote, I used to recruit a lot internally for finance. And if they didn't have, an, you know, a particular qualification, they hadn't gone to a red brick, they hadn't had first time passes in their financial um, uh, you know, courses, they were out, you know, that was it. Now that's a very traditional view and it has moved on, but it, it's, you know, a good example of where candidates, particularly from perhaps more diverse backgrounds are out before they even get a chance of interview. How, how are your organizations helping to, you know, guide and, and strengthen the confidence in hiring managers to take that chance in terms of looking in pools they're not used to? Gary, shall I, shall I come to you and then Sam, is that okay? Yeah, I think it goes back to, so, I mean, the, the, we, I talked briefly earlier on about that we're rolling out an inclusive recruiting training session, which will ultimately land down with our hiring managers as well. Um, and part of that is, I guess, educating around the power of difference and not recruiting always the same people that you either traditionally have recruited or the people that you traditionally like to, to work with. So, I think that that's the, the the key for me around the role of a true recruiting business partner and how they business partner with the hiring manager right from the get go of of you know building the the the, the profile of of the role to make sure that we we are challenging and that's certainly what the the training that we're planning right now is aiming to do is to challenge that thinking to say to your point you know we don't always just recruit people who have x y and and, and z you know qualifications i think in the recruiting world the conversation about number of years experience and age has gone on for a number of years and we all now gasp in horror if we see the x amount of years experience on a job description but we don't gasp in horror at some of the other things that are equally um 
potentially is discriminatory um, because they're not so so obvious. And for me, what's important is making sure that we educate people to be able to to, to really truly write a job profile that is inclusive, um, but also allows them to to reach out to different types of talent. And I think the, not necessarily the hard part, but back to your point, the scary part is helping people to understand what that future might well be because that's unknown. And the the everybody's well versed in talking about the benefits of a more diverse talent pool and a, a benefits of a more diverse workforce but that is still a journey a lot of people are on um but certainly you know through all my my roles i've always talked about you know the fact that our customer base and our customer our our businesses are changing on a daily basis and we need to evolve with that or be left behind so that's kind of part of the where i'm looking to educate people to think about differently is what does the future look like for organization rather than what it looks like now and do you have to have you know, that standard enabled to, to, to get in to do the basics. There's obviously going to be some things in all roles or in some roles that you have to have a basic understanding of, but then looking at different ways to get that, whether it's we have a massive apprenticeship program, we do supported internships through all of our um, more entry-level opportunities for our organisation. Are they the ways to build people up to get into those roles rather than always looking to say, I must take a graduate, you know? So there's different ways to think about it. It's just about being open to that thinking. And Gary, that's even harder from an executive search perspective, trying to influence from the outside in. Um, but I would say, look, it's exactly that. And I think what, what we try and do is sort of educate the hiring manager um, to a degree around the competencies and behaviours you're looking for, as opposed to very specific skills and experience. So, you know, going back to that example of chief operating officers and managing directors, Actually, what you're looking for often is leadership and people leadership, as opposed to someone that's maybe led a thousand sites, um, which can be the case in some multi-site businesses. So it's actually, you know, understanding and unpicking, you know, where in their experience have they displayed those leadership qualities that might make them right for the role. They might not have done exactly the same role on their CV, but they have the behaviours which one would think would make them transition quite successfully into that role. And there are some really good examples in industry, actually, in the hotel world. Um, I'm not sure if there are any within Hilton or of actually people coming from large international sales roles into big operational, you know, female candidates coming from sales roles into large operational leadership roles and it being really successful. Yeah, and I mean, I would completely agree. I think having that... It's very easy for hiring managers to just, A, we do tend to, you know, it's the old cliche of recruiting our like, but also what they're comfortable with. And it is about, to both of your points, that challenge and not being scared to challenge the hiring manager um, at whatever level they happen to be. Um, And also drilling down to what are the core things that are needed for the role, not the nice to haves, what are the core things Um, and recruiting cross-sector. And we've had quite a bit of success with that. Um, you know, and we have people in very senior roles who, you know, don't have a hospitality background, um, have come in from all sorts of different other industries um, and been very successful in their roles. And we have some people who've grown through the organisation. And that blend is actually, I think, more powerful because you've got that diversity of experience. Um, so, no, I mean, I would agree with all of the points there, and, and it is about that not being scared to challenge and about drilling down to what are the absolute core that they have to have. The rest is all nice, 
but what's that core? And I think what's really important as well is that as, especially in hospitality, but as industries are changing and evolving, skills that we require are also changing. So, you know, the digital sector is really growing in hospitality, which maybe it wasn't as far ahead in other industries till, you know, certainly the pandemic has, has pushed it on drastically, specifically looking at, I think, the pub sector. Um, and that's changing the skill set of what we will need to hire for future. But you will then find that you've got a skills gap of people who will have that skill plus also a hospitality background. So naturally, we will, I think, have to start to look wider, which is a good thing. Um, but also that provides a challenge because you are not looking for what you've always looked for, which are people who have, you know, detailed experience in industry that we feel comfortable in. So I think it's a good challenge for us all as the industries evolve that we have got to challenge because we've got no, no other option. Especially, especially with a million vacancies in, in, in the country at the moment. So, and, and Yusra, I'm really keen to bring you into the conversation now. Now, Yusra, you've been part of Whittle for a while as part of our advisory board and, and now working within the team. But I'm really interested in your experience as a recent graduate. So having gone through a hospitality management course in one of the best known universities for, for the topic, what was your experience of, of when companies came to recruit at the university? I know it was a bit tougher in the pandemic of, you know, of what they did well, what they didn't maybe do so well to really show if they were inclusive or, you know, really welcoming to, to a diverse talent pool. Well, as someone who's um, black female, kickstarting off, you know, my career in the industry, um, the the companies or the organizations that really stood out to me um, were the ones that were, you know, truly offering an appealing and, and inclusive workplace um, policies and employee benefits. So it's kind of similar to what Sam mentioned earlier, for example, you know, flexible working hours. Um, the, the organizations that stood, stood out to me were very, you know, straight up and honest about um, how they can be flexible with you. And also um, we're very considerate of, you know, how you're going to be commuting um, to the workplace. And um, the organizations that uh, were considerate of that, you know, um, some of them were part of like the uh, cycle to work scheme. And, you know, that was kind of um, uh, very, I would say, inclusive in terms of, you know, Personally, me, I'm someone that always cycles to work. I, have, I mean, I grew up in Denmark, so we're always cycling everywhere. And so something like that, you know, it does add up. And um, another thing that really stood out to me was uh, when, you know, the organizations that are truly uh, widening their search group um, to include diverse groups and, and pools of talent, those organizations, they weren't just at our normal careers fairs uh, at uni they are actually um taking the extra step and um the brooks union actually has a black students careers week and um it was very evident in those organizations um who do have uh who care about diversity and inclusivity you saw them present at both events and also um certain organizations stayed even longer uh, throughout the day just to make sure that the people that, you know, the talent pool that they're going to be recruiting was not just the ones who are available during the day, but some, they stayed, some of them stayed even later in the evening and hung around by the uh, union bar, actually having 
um, conversations with the people that they are interested in recruiting instead of um, simply just asking. Uh, I mean, back in the, when I was in school, I remember when I went to a careers fair, uh, my first one was during my GCSEs. All you would do is write your email in and you would uh, send them your CV and that's it. But now they were actually, you know, things have seen, uh, things are starting to change and they're having these conversations with us um, very informally. And and I think it's also part of the pitch when they are, you know, um, promoting their um, organization. I think if um, personally I was making sure I listened out to the, to the values that they were um, stating and whether those values were actually promoting a diverse and inclusive workplace. And if I felt like maybe it wasn't that clear, honestly, personally, I was just asking them, like, what are you actually doing? And if, um, you know, the ones that were actually making a difference and were having um, uh, targets to improve their uh, diversity and inclusivity, you could tell that they had a response and they actually um, knew what, what was going on instead of kind of uh, just answering the question in, in a very normal way. The ones who could actually have that one-to-one conversation and, and um, have a seat with you. So yeah, that's, that's what stood out to me. Thank you, Isra. And, and we speak a lot about authenticity. So, you know, was, were there occasions where, you know, the, the companies would come and do a great talk Let's put it that way. But, you know, I know, you know, when you do your research afterwards, once you met with them and say, actually, is this an organization I want to to do? Was there a match, you know, mostly or was there, you know, not matches or were some companies doing brilliant stuff and they hadn't put it over? What was what was your experience? Um, honestly, I think the so the companies that I was particularly interested in, um, when I had conversations with them, because I was just, you know, I was quite curious, what are their values? Is this something that I would um, fit in? You know, um, is, this, is this a place where I would be accepted? Because that means a lot to me. If I'm going to, I really, um, you know, if I'm starting off, I might as well start off in the right direction. And when it comes to these um, companies, to be honest, I noticed that the ones that did uh, try really hard to actually have conversations come in um, uh, speak to the people that they're trying to recruit. Um, for example, um, within the Brooks Union, uh, they had a, um, a particular series of events during the Black um, Careers Week where they had different um, in role models and individuals come in from different organizations where um, they were basically answering any questions that we have, but it was also from different industries so, um, and this was all in one place. Basically, um, you would have someone come in from the events, someone come in from um, people, someone who was actually managing uh, uh, Stormzy, I believe he's an artist. So it was very different um, uh, industries. And it kind of was really cool because even though I'm looking at hospitality, I was able to speak to other organizations who um, were looking to recruit more of a diverse talent pool. Um, and, you know, th- I felt like it was really nice to have those kind of opportunities. So maybe organizations can consider something like that where you're not necessarily having to go towards, um, you know, a hospitality kind of uh, event to, to find people, but maybe something that's more for like, you know, the group or like how you said, where, where are these people hanging out? Um, 
earlier. Thank you, Ezra. That that's really helpful. And I think we're we're coming to a close. The the time has has whizzed past. So um, I'm going to come to each of, of the panelists and say, as always, we're a very active industry. We like to know what to, you know. What is it that we need to do? And so, if if you had to leave one passing thought for the people listening today, what would that be in terms of really trying to drive inclusion and, and diverse recruitment within the industry, but also the um, uh, in terms of the people's organisations? So, um, Sam, I'm going to pop to you first and we'll, we'll go around. Oh, that. Okay. Um, well, look, I, I would say firstly, I don't think there's anything specific, but the one thing I'll end with is that I just think there is huge opportunity at the moment that feels like the word of the next 12 months you know looking at the context looking at the environment the pandemic the need to access um a wider pool of talent you know looking at diversity in a very serious way i think is the answer to that you know there's always been a moral imperative now i think there's a commercial imperative as well um so companies in htl really need to take advantage of that um, and I think the benefit will be incredible. Brilliant, Sam. Thank you. Rob, if I can come to you. I think it's difficult to come up with one thing. I think, <laughs> you know, I would agree with Sam. It's becoming ever more important. But I think, you know, it always has been a diverse and inclusive workforce. And whatever your definition of diversity, because there are so many different, I don't mean definitions, but elements that make up that if you um, rather than just focusing on one you know that drives innovation and that's something that the industry is going to face more and more of um, and we need to be more innovative and you know we've certainly found at Hilton that the more diverse we are in thinking and background and everything actually that drives that innovation um, and it's been a real benefit to us so it isn't you know it's a nice thing to do it's the right thing to do it's a commercial thing to do but it has huge benefits across the piece and i would say the one recommendation to everybody is use the power within your organization use the people within your organization there is already diversity there they will help you become more diverse that there's a lot of power in the people within the organization that's brilliant thank mm. you and Gary, if I could come to you. Yeah, I think I'll echo both them points. And I think I'll, I'll kind of lead off a point that you just made about authenticity is absolutely key. And I think being open and honest about where as an organization you are right now on, on the journey is really, really key because I think that does speak volumes. But I think also the key, uh, and certainly something I'm always really uh, mindful about is knowing what the plan is for inclusion and diversity. Um, and knowing what what your perceived outcome is there are so and it's, it's not the wrong thing to do but there are so many people out there right now because it's, it's such a common topic playing with the topic and not having true strategic intent around what that truly means and i think the importance of how however big or small the the, the kind of strategy and plan around it is is know what you're trying to achieve and know your plan of how you're going to get there and then be authentic about it rather than, you know, what I think a lot of organizations do is, I don't want to say jump on bandwagons, but they are following trends that are happening and um, because it sometimes feels like the right thing to do. Um, so yeah, have a plan and then be authentic about it will be my, my, my parting words. Perfect. Thank you. And Yusra from people starting out in their careers. Um, yeah, I think, 
you know, stand up for what you believe in and be confident in asking, um, you know, what exactly are you doing? Um, how are you going to be able to, you know, promote a um, diverse and inclusive workplace? And yeah, just having being able to actually ask that question. And, and um, if it's not evident, you know, while when you're doing your research, um, if it's not on the on the website or anything, and you know, it, be having have the opportunity to actually um, reach out uh, would be great. Perfect. Thank you. Sadly, we we come to the end of the podcast. That was a, a fantastic conversation. Thank you. It was great insight, I, I think, for um, all areas, I think, of recruitment. I think we touched on a lot in the 40, 45 minutes that, that we were together. So thank you. The, the, the toolkit that we've developed will um, also come with the podcast as well. And it just leaves me to say thank you so much for your time today. It's been a great conversation. And thank you again. And goodbye. Thank you. Thank you.